Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Today We Laughed and Learned. I'm here with Chris. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing pretty good today, Deb. Good. You? I'm good. I'm good. I'm all things considered, everything that's going on, I'm good. <laughs> I think everybody wants to know how's your foot. Oh, yes. Great, actually. I expected more pain. So I don't want to jinx it. I think I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. Hopefully, I'll be mobile in the next few days. I'm sure you will. Nothing keeps <laughs> you now. <laughs> so although this is only the third episode of our podcast, we're going to break a little bit away from our standard format, which I'll explain in just a little bit. So something that we think is really unique about our podcast is that we take turns preparing the material. So we never know what the other person is going to talk about and neither do our listeners. So we think there's a certain amount of beauty about how our episodes aren't um, rehearsed, how they're completely candid because we're genuinely learning right on the spot, hopefully along with you guys too. Because we think it's important, you know, one person is sort of always on the spot because they might not know some information that the other person has prepared. Um, so we think it's really important to get away from the shame of not knowing stuff and just embrace the learning. Um, anyway, that's a part, an important part of the podcast as far as we're concerned. So this week, what we decided was that since we were going to be reading up on the whole Ukraine situation, Russia's invasion of the Ukraine, we thought we might as well devote an episode to that. Um, so that's the break from our standard format, that this time we did actually decide what we were going to talk about. But what we kept was the fact that we didn't know sort of what each other was going to be um, researching, which topic, which part of the whole situation the other person was going to be tackling. And we certainly didn't share our notes um, with each other. So we still think that this is going to be a candid and unrehearsed uh, podcast that hopefully everybody will enjoy. The truth is that when we talked about doing this as an episode, we hesitated a little bit because we thought, you know, the whole world is completely overwhelmed right now with information and facts. And it's such a fast moving situation that, you know, by the time you wake up in the morning, the situation has already changed. But then we thought, no, this is the whole spirit behind the podcast. We are just two regular people trying to break information down into chunks that we can understand. So that's what we tried to do this week. We tried to take this very complicated, complex situation, break it down into chunks that we can understand. And we thought that might be useful for some of our listeners who learn sort of in the same way that we do. So that's why we decided to go for this, uh, this format this week. So we are not promising any laughter. The name of the podcast is Today We Laughed and Learned. Um, we're not sure about laughter, it's okay. It's a very serious situation. So we'll see how it goes. But hopefully, um, like we say, true to our mission, you will learn and we will learn something that we didn't know yesterday. That's all we're trying to do. So Chris, I'm not sure about you, but so many emotions came up as I was researching this fear, uncertainty, concern about all of the people so much more directly affected by us. What about you? How did you feel uh, the last few days researching? Uh, actually, I was, well, besides overwhelmed with the amount of information I was looking into, but I had one minute, it's kind of reminded me of COVID. One minute you're up, one minute you're down. <laughs> I, I didn't know what to think of my emotions. You know, brought me back to the 80s with the Cold War and yeah. okay, you know, once again. But I think 
it's no matter what channel you put on, it's mm. on there. It's in your face, like COVID for the first year, it was in your face all day long. Yeah. And now it's, this, it's, how can you not just have an overwhelming feeling of doom? Yeah. And it changes every moment. It's, it's scary. It's quite mm. honestly, I find the whole situation quite scary because uh, I haven't lived through a situation like this. Yep. Exactly. And sorry, go on. I was going to say, so when we discussed doing this podcast, uh, one of the main things was I really knew nothing about the situation over there. I mean, I look at it and I'm like, oh, how could he do that? But maybe there's something Ukraine did that really upset him. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. You know, um, so like I tell my kids when they complain, somebody's grumpy or somebody's, you know, didn't answer the phone. I said, well, you don't know their story. <laughs> I said, nobody knows. And that's been a big topic for the past few years. Uh, you need to know somebody's story. You don't know what's happening behind closed doors. And we know nothing about what's happening over there. Mm-hmm. I said, so we need to learn the story a little bit. So I opted to, um, to go back. I need to learn a little bit about the history of Ukraine and Russia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good starting point for sure. Absolutely. I need I need to know why he's getting into this. And to be honest, I ended up just there's two sides of the story. There's the Ukraine and I'm sorry, Ukraine and Russia. Mm-hmm. I focused on Ukraine's history. Mm-hmm. And I think it gave us a good enough idea. But again, um I don't think looking up Russia's history is going to change my opinion much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Meaning everything I was reading, I, but I tried to do this in such a compact way because the history is huge. (laughs) I know. And they're inter. Yeah. I think that's a fantastic starting point. I'm, and I appreciate you, you know, tackling that because that's, that is huge, as you said. And I think though, I mean, I think it's hard to, I mean, you, you'll shed more light on this, but I'm not sure that is there really like a Ukrainian, you know, history and a Russian history um, when their histories are so intertwined, you know? Um, but I guess you can tell us more about that. I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really hope that I do this justice because it was a lot of reading and a lot that I will not cover. <laughs> yeah. Um, I tried to pick out the most relevant things. Yeah without yeah. making it seven I mean this could be a 20 part series <laughs> oh my gosh I'm, I'm sure and you know something sorry to interrupt I just wanted to say that you know on our cover art we what was the what was the catchphrase or whatever that we put something like experts on nothing curious about everything so let's just bear in mind that we're not pretending to be um, experts on anything we are just two people in this world trying to know a little bit more about what's going on things that interest us um, and especially things like this that could ultimately have an impact on our lives but even if they don't impact our lives just you know the fact that it's having such an impact on so many other people's lives makes it worthy uh, of covering so I guess my point is that you know we're just trying to shed some light and as we said learn a couple of things that we didn't know yesterday so I think that it's absolutely fair if you're not here to give a, you know, a PhD thesis on the conflict that's going on. Exactly. And keep in mind too, you know, we basically are using the internet and mm. we're trying to check facts and use, you know, reputable sites, yeah. but um, you know, there could be a mistake in there, but I, everything that I'm going to say, I've, I'm saying to the best of my knowledge. And from the best of my research. And I hope that I do it justice. And I think we should get started. 
I think we should too. I'm I'm interested to hear what you've come up with. Let's do All it. Right. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So on February 24th, 2022, Vladimir Putin declared Russia could not feel safe, develop, or exist. Those were his words, mm-hmm. because there is a constant threat from Ukraine, and therefore would be conducting a special military operation. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was like, really? That's crazy. I had no idea. I thought with the fall of the uh, the fall of the Soviet, Soviet Union, Union, it was mm-hmm. over. Well, let's go back to the basics. Basically, who is Ukraine and where is it and what's it about? Mm. So, let's hit. According to Britannica.com, <laughs> might as well go to the old encyclopedias. Yeah. Um, for those who don't know, Ukraine is the second largest uh, country in Eastern Europe that sits next to Russia. It's bordered by Belarus to the north, Russia to the east, the Sea of, sea of Azov and the Black Sea to the south, Southwest of Ukraine is Moldova and Romania, and while Hungary, Slovakia, and Poland border to the west. Mm-hmm. But it's the second biggest country, so that we have to bear in mind. Mm-hmm. For sure. Okay, the capital of Ukraine is Kiev. Mm-hmm. Now, you might have heard over the years, and I, I apologize if I make a mistake, because this yeah. is how I learned it. Uh, you might have heard over the years, and even now, that the capital is called Kiev, like mm-hmm. Chicken Kiev. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yes. Um, that's actually based on the Russian language. Oh. And since the fall of the Soviet Union, Ukraine has been pushing uh, the use of the Ukrainian pronunciation and spelling as a move against the Russian nationalism. Wow. So, okay. That I love stuff like that. So thank you, because I did, definitely did not know that. So Kiev. Okay. Yep. And since 2019, the world recognizes the capital of Ukraine as Kiev, spelled K-Y-I-V. And not Kiev, K-I-E-V. Okay. So feel free to cringe if you hear a newscaster call it wrong. But chances are he's older and he grew up with the name Kiev. <laughs> he should still know. He should, but <laughs> even if you know, I think by nature you're going to – it's it's kind of like – I don't know if you knew this. Now I'm going off my notes already. <laughs> but, um, but I grew up calling it the Ukraine. I did that in the intro. <laughs> so Okay, well – Ukrainians don't like you now. Okay. Well, what I learned, probably, what I learned is that those three letters, T-H-E, they're actually insulting to any Ukrainian. Now, I grew up on them. I called it, you know, I called it the Ukraine. Yeah. Um, Like the United States of America or the Bahamas. I never thought anything about it. But according to Time Magazine and many other sites, uh, calling Ukraine the Ukraine was what Russians called that part of the Soviet Union. And wow. now that Ukraine is a separate country, it's simply Ukraine. And it's very insulting to the Ukrainians to refer to their country as the Ukraine, as oh. it kind of rips away their independence. Yeah. So I apologize again if through this podcast I accidentally say the. I, I don't mean to. I My notes don't say the, but I might say it. Fair enough. And thank you because I, I see, this is what I love about this podcast that, I mean, even if we stopped recording right now, I would already have learned a few things that I didn't know like five minutes ago, which is terrible, but thank you. That's fantastic. I I didn't know that. And I definitely did say the the Ukraine in the intro. So there you go. Yeah. I I found I actually have to be honest. I found it fascinating. I kind of kept finding myself down the rabbit hole. I actually wanted to know more. Uh, yeah. The history was quite interesting, but uh, <laughs> oh, 
So anyway, okay, so before yes. we discuss what's going on, we definitely need to learn a little bit about the Ukrainian history. See the Ukrainian. I'm. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Well, without work, it could work. Anyway, so you understand. I don't feel I can do this justice, but I'm doing the best I can. And to truly understand, you need both sides. Like I said before, Russia and Ukraine. But this should give us a good idea. Yes. So we started off. I opened up Wikipedia, and the first sentence was prehistoric Ukraine. Oh, boy. So I decided we need to move it up just a little bit because our main concern <laughs> is why Putin has a thing with Ukraine. With their um, dinosaurs? <laughs> well, side note. Side Sorry. note. Okay. Um, at, discussing the prehistoric Ukraine. Um, Wikipedia stated no that Ukraine... No, discussing prehistoric Ukraine. There's no but, the. <laughs> no, the prehistoric is okay, not prehistoric the ukraine um, <laughs> okay let's focus okay we'll wikipedia try. stated that ukraine was involved with the domestication of the horse there you go okay mm -hmm. little tidbit but anyway I, let's get i think i read that yes okay that's <laughs> it is cool okay go on so cbs.com gave me some insight back in 1793 we're a little more current <laughs> uh most of ukraine was under the russian empire Similar to what Ireland is or was to the United Kingdom. Okay. And it has been under someone's rule ever since, whether it be Poland, Lithuania, or Russia. It, there's been an ongoing battle forever over it. Okay. And then in uh, 1917 to about 1921, there was the Ukrainian-Soviet uh, War. And this mm -hmm. war resulted in the Bolshevik Red Army gaining control back in 1919. Okay. And then the Ukrainian Bolsheviks beat the national government of Kiev and created the Soviet Union Socialist Republic, okay. which ended up being one of the first republics of the Soviet Union. So this is when the Soviet Union is forming. It wasn't mm. the Soviet Union. This is when the Soviet Union is forming. Okay. And it's on the so, heels, of course, of World War One, right? Correct. Which we discussed during the molasses flood. Yes, because but I, I didn't know. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's, I'll try not to, I'm, I'm not very good at helping you stay focused, so I'll just be quiet. <laughs> and, and this is tough, so we need to focus. So okay, in okay. the beginning, Soviet rule was, um, it honored Ukrainian language and culture. In fact, it was to be the official language in school and the government. Okay. But by 1930, it was changed to, I believe it's called Russification, like Russian Russification. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, now, from what I understand, during this revolution, Ukraine really wanted independence, but they lost. Mm -hmm. um, now, what happened next is absolutely horrific, and I'm sure you've never heard of it. Okay. Um, not too many people have, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, Holodomor. Okay. Does it ring a bell? No, it sounds like no. something out of Harry Potter. Well, it wasn't. Okay. Uh, it is Ukrainian for... Well, one translation was death by hunger. Oh, God. Or, oh, this is about... I know what you're going to say. Okay, yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Terror famine or the Great Famine or extermination by hunger. Yes, I did whatever hear about the, this. Whatever the true translation is, it doesn't really matter. It all means the same thing. It is a terrible way to die. And from oh. 1932 to 1933, an estimated 4 million Ukrainian <sighs> peasants were purposely starved to death. And I say purposely because this was, quote unquote, an artificial famine. And it was called that because it was not brought on by crop failure or insects or drought. Right. 
now I'd love to tell the entire story, but this is not, I believe this isn't the time, but I do believe that it deserves to be told, but um, Mm -hmm. not in today's discussion. We're trying to see or understand how Ukraine and Russia have ended up here, Mm -hmm. but I'll give you a brief synopsis. Mm -hmm. Uh, By the end of the 1920s, Stalin decides Ukraine no longer needs autonomy. Uh, It should be more Russian. But he also wanted the land in Ukraine. It was very good soil. And he wanted to uh, feed uh, important party officials from it and also to export uh, grain from there to fund his projects. Mm -hmm. So to do this, Stalin enacted some pretty wild measures. Um, first idea, he would just arrest, imprison, and execute thousands of Ukrainian intellectuals, church leaders, communist members that support Ukraine, you know. Yeah. And while that is going on, he decides to order, let me see if I can say this correctly, collectivization of agriculture. Okay. So I checked Wikipedia for an explanation of this, and Wiki said, collective farming and communal farming are various types of agricultural production in which multiple farmers run it as joint exercise. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it was for the government. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, most of Ukraine, they're just small-scale farmers, and they resisted this idea. So the state handled the situation by taking the property and forcing them to work on the government collective farms for no pay. Oh, my God. Uh Basically, you would deem the enemy of the state if you either resisted or owned livestock, which I thought was odd. Mm -hmm. So obviously, these people need to be eliminated. So they would just do this by throwing them out of their homes and have them deported. My God. Yeah. And then in 1932, (laughs) Stalin chose to set a virtually impossible harvest quota for the small village that they obviously could not meet. And this caused the state to clamp down even more. Every seed was confiscated and placed huge levies on meat and potatoes. Uh, special teams were actually deployed to search homes for any food stuff. Basically, it was illegal to be in possession of food. That time. <clears throat> it's it's mind boggling. Uh, this is ab- absolutely insane. So basically, <sighs> it was illegal to be in possession of food. Can you imagine? No, I really can't. And and sorry, wait a second. This was for the Russians to gain control of the crops. They want to gain control. They basically knew what they were doing. They wanted the land. So they yeah. could. They wanted these people to grow the crops for them or perish and bring people in to uh, take the land and grow crops. It's oh a huge God. story. This oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, uh, for sure. And there was also a law put into place where these poor starving farmers or their families were not even allowed to leave the country. So even if they fled, they weren't allowed to leave. So they, could ju- they just sat there starving. I mean, little kids were being arrested for picking a seed off the floor to, to eat it. God. Um, it was a law that was passed that a theft of even a few grains of wheat or a seed would result in execution. So while millions of Ukrainians are dying, the Soviet Union sold the crops that were collected abroad. Um, fun fact to this, the (sighs) Soviet Union vehemently denies this ever happened. (laughs) Uh, however, evidence has emerged over the year and since 2006, Holodomor has been recognized by Ukraine and 15 other countries as a genocide carried out by the Soviet government. Okay. Now, before yeah. I go on, I want to give some credit. Let me tell you that there's plenty on- online about this event. And I, I really think if you're interested a little bit, you should read into it. Yeah. I got my info from CBS, uh, 
cbs.com, NBC5, Wikipedia, and a website called HREC, mm-hmm. the Holodomor Research and Education Consortium. Okay. Basically, it promotes the research and study and understanding of this event. Um, and you can check it out at holodomor.ca. Okay. Uh, they have info and some, and they have some very tell-all photos in there, although disturbing. They were taken oh. back during the famine, mostly by travelers going through. So there's evidence is what I'm trying to say. There's also a movie. There's also Mm -hmm. a movie I'm going to watch. It's called Mm -hmm. Bitter Harvest. And you can find it on Hulu. Uh, But I did see you can also rent it on YouTube and Amazon Prime. Okay. I just quickly, I'm not sure this is a little bit off topic, so I won't stay on it. But um, I heard about this, um, this event. I I watched, there's a mini series called Chernobyl. Uh, I think it was only released like last year or something, and I watched it, and it, it, I mean, it was fascinating in its own right. It's absolutely worth watching, um, but they mentioned this, and I just remember thinking, why did that happen? Because they didn't obviously focus on that. Um, so this is amazing information to have. Thank you. There was also a book. Unfortunately, I didn't write down the title of it, but I'm going to go look it up. <laughs> it might be a very interesting read. I think uh, she runs through the, the whole gamut from beginning to end. Okay. But anyway, let's jump forward. Yeah. So that is like right there. Okay. You can see how much they wanted Ukraine up to this point. I mean, they've always wanted Ukraine. Yeah. For its resources in this case. Right. And right. they had, they basically had it at this point because it's part of the Soviet Union. Right. Uh, so Ukraine rem- remains part of the Soviet Union until 1991 when the Soviet Union began to crumble. Mm-hmm. So at this point, Ukraine declares sovereignty, which, if you aren't sure, it's defined, uh, defined as supreme power, especially over a body politic or freedom from external control autonomy. Okay. And on August 24th, 1991, Ukraine declares its complete independence with a vote of the people. It now goes under its new shortened name, Ukraine. And, okay. they, and they help form the Commonwealth of Independent States, CIS. Okay. It's an association of countries that were formerly in the USSR. Mm-hmm. They kind of band together, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> that was 91. So from 94 to 2004, Ukraine changes to a capitalist society, mm-hmm. privatizing businesses, etc. Oh, and then in 2004, something kind of sneaky happens. <laughs> um, I, th- I, I didn't write down at this point what when Putin came into power, but he's involved in this. So. I think it was 2000. I think his first term was 2000 to 2008. Um, I think I just looked that up yesterday. And then from, hang on, 2012 until today. Well, there you go. <laughs> I, I think. I, well, I need to go look into the other side. I stuck on the Ukraine side. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. So 2004, there was a presidential election. Now, listen carefully. Try not to get lost. There were two candidates. Okay. You know, the presidential election is in Ukraine, in case you got lost. Okay. <laughs> the, first, the first candidate is Viktor Yanukovych. Mm-hmm. Yanukovych, supported by Putin. He was put okay. in, he's supported by Putin. Then there's also Viktor Yushchenko. Mm-hmm. He's pro-democracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously Putin doesn't want him in. So <laughs> toward the final months of this campaign, shockingly, Yushchenko, the pro-democracy guy, he got very ill. In effect, <gasps> and he is he the one who was dirt. lead poisoned? Okay, so she spoiled the end. <laughs> oh, I'm so, so I'm so sorry. No, it probably wasn't him. Sorry, go oh, on. Oh, it totally was. Uh, <sighs> yes, the doctors discovered he had been poisoned. Um, 
Yeah, so Putin's guy wins the election amid accusations that I'm sure you'll be surprised to hear that perhaps the election was rigged. <laughs> perhaps. The jury is still out. <laughs> yes. Well, after lots of protesting and revotes, um, uh, like on a third election, Yushchenko, the poison dude, finally won. He didn't die. He only got poisoned. They saved him in case oh. <laughs> there was a confusion that we had, you know. <laughs> okay. I tried okay. to sum it up. Okay, 2008. Yeah. All right. Uh, 2008, they begin the process of joining NATO. Hmm. U.S. supports this idea, but France and Germany don't. They oppose it because Russia is unhappy with the idea. Hmm. So NATO compromises um, and said to, the, to Ukraine, um, Ukraine, you will be a member one day. We just don't know when or how. <laughs> Um, so back up for those who have heard NATO, but don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. It is short for the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. It's a group of 30 countries that agree to work together to guarantee freedom and security of its 30 members through political and military means. Mm-hmm. Okay. So 2009, mm-hmm. there's so much more to this. I'm just trying to cut it short. Uh, this uh, is perfect. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think this is exactly what I need. And our listeners too, just like the, as we've talked about before, the Coles notes or the, what do you call them? The cliff notes, the, the cliff, cliff notes. notes. Yes. <laughs> this I, is I, all my brain can handle. So it's perfect. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> well, now we're in 2009. So Russia cuts off natural gas to Ukraine. Hmm. 2010. Uh, this time Putin's guy is elected to the office and claims Ukraine is neutral and will work with Russia and Western alliances. Yeah. Uh-huh. 2013, the president refused a free trade deal with the European Union, saying that Russia had pressured him not to take the deal. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, big protests erupted, calling for his impeachment. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were really angry, so he fled to Russia. Mm -hmm. And Ukraine's parliament voted him out. Well, this upset Putin, and he said that this new government was actually an illegal coup. Oh, God. So that wasn't okay. So almost immediately he uh, sent armed men um, out. Well, I shouldn't say that because they deny that they paid these guys to go do it. So um, <laughs> armed men arrive mm-hmm. at the checkpoints uh, in the Crimean Peninsula. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, which is something that gets referred to on the news a bit. Yes. Uh, yeah. So April 2014. 40,000 troops gather and violence breaks out in that region. Uh, that region is called Donbass. Mm-hmm. If I said it correctly, I apologize. <laughs> uh, and this fighting continues to this day. In the, um, and at that time, they took over government buildings in the region mm-hmm. of uh, Donetsk and Luhansk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I-, I Googled it, but I've, you know. <laughs> yeah. And the violence I, continues. Yeah. So September of 2014, we've um, moved up a couple of months. Representatives mm-hmm. from Russia, Ukraine, and France, and Germany, they uh, try to make a deal for a ceasefire. They sign it, and almost immediately the ceasefire gets broken, and the fighting continues. Oh, God. Um, and so February 2015, I think they sign another deal, and this too was broken. This is the one you hear about. This is the peace deal of 2015, or Minsk II. It's called mm-hmm. Minsk II because that's where they were when they signed that. Mm-hmm. Um, briefly, basically, 
according to the website Axios, um, the second deal was signed under Ukraine's duress because they were being fired on completely. And it mm. sounded good at the time. However, the wording was absolutely vague and horrible <sighs> and deeply flawed so that uh, each country could in turn interpret the deal in their favor. And so because of this, the deal kind of stalled. Yeah. So although they say, you know, oh, they didn't come through on the deal, it's because that's their interpretation of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, you know, this is all done intentionally, I'm sure. But anyway. Right. And yeah. Russia wants, tries to get it to go their way, and Ukraine's like, no, 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 it means this. So yeah. uh, that is why um, that failed. And uh, because of it failed, and because the fighting continues, more than 14,000 people have been killed to this day. Oh, God. Um, another... I wouldn't call it fun fact, but another fact, mm -hmm. um, and most people remember this, on July 17th, 2014, Malaysian Airlines, Flight mm. 17, remember that one? Yes. That was shot down over, you guessed it, eastern yeah. Ukraine, mm. um, which killed all 298 people on board uh, after international uh, investigation. They concluded it was a Russian-supplied missile uh, from the rev rebel-controlled Donbass area of Ukraine. Mm. Mm. And so we know Moscow has denied that this is true. Of course. <laughs> just just saying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just for the record. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So 2016 and 17, Donbass is still fighting. And now Russia is using cyber attacks, including Kiev's power grid, National Bank of Ukraine, and the government websites. Hmm. Uh, 2019, Zelensky comes into power. And April 2021, Russia deploys 100,000 troops to the border. You know, for military exercises. <laughs> Russia pulls back for a little bit and then uh, renews its presence in November. Mm. Now, I just want to say, there's so much more to this. And I tried to break down as much as I could. And from what I gather by all my research, my opinion is um, Ukraine has had a very long history of like a tug of war, so to say, with Russia over mm. political, religion, language, culture. Uh, back in 1917, when Russia collapsed, uh, pre-USSR, mm -hmm. Ukraine asked for independence. And for 100 years, this relationship between the two has been filled with animosity. Yeah. Ukraine just wants to be their own nation. And yeah. basically, Russia doesn't want them to be. It's like a really ugly divorce. <laughs> <laughs> one person wants it and the other one doesn't. Yeah. Uh, so here we are, February 24th, 2022. Uh, everyone's seen it coming, but I don't think anyone expected it to be like this. Um, I do have a quick timeline of that day. Yeah. Uh, just quickly, um, a quick timeline of Putin's actions on February 24th at 3 o'clock. Putin announces that there's been an attack in the Donbass region and uh, demands the Ukrainian uh, army lay their arms and warns other countries not to interfere. They'll suffer the consequences. Mm-hmm. That was at 3 o'clock. By 3.30, Biden condemns Moscow for the attack that seems unjustified and unprovoked. Mm -hmm. Mere 15 minutes later, there are explosions heard in Mariupol in eastern Ukraine. Then by 4.15, explosions are heard near Kiev. 4.30, uh, Ukraine announces Russia has launched a full-scale invasion. And by 4.45, an hour and 45 minutes later from when this started, Ukraine shuts down the airspace and an hour later, at 5.45, Ukraine says Eastern units are under intensive shelling. Oh, uh, just 15 minutes later, Ukraine border guards say Russian military is coming, th uh, coming through by Belarus and Russia. Mm -hmm. 
and the attacks continue. And I don't feel like we need to go over the current situation play by play. Um, like we said before, they as um, you turn on any news channel and you'll see it. Uh, I think at this point we need to look at what seems to be the untruths told by Putin and talk about the innocent people of Ukraine who yeah. whose lives are in peril right now and what this could mean for our future. I mean, not just yeah. in Ukraine, but worldwide. I, yeah. I think what got a lot of people in his speech that he made right before the attacks is like, it was a story that he made up in his head. <laughs> exactly. You know? Yeah. I mean, one um, of the things he said was Ukraine was committing acts of genocide. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and it was a Nazi nation. Yeah. And Russian was going into denazify it. Yeah, um, exactly. Didn't you feel like Jerry Springer announcing a paternity result? <laughs> like, you <could've laughs> used to being a Nazi nation. We have discernment. <laughs> that is a lie. Because in reality, there's been no signs of genocide occurring. And as for the Nazi thing, well, Ukraine yeah. fought against Germany in World War II. And, um, oh, yeah, don't forget former actor, comedian, current president, uh, Volodymyr Zelensky. He's happens Jewish. To be Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And they've painted him as a as a drug addict, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> yeah, exactly, because of his background or whatever in, in theater. Yeah, it's yeah. it's incredible. Well, th- is there something? Did, do you have no, anything I'm else? Yet. I'm not done yet. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> a couple more things that seem to be questionable. As Putin yeah. also claimed Ukraine was in possession of nuclear weapons. And again, not accurate. Ukraine gave up those nuclear weapons uh, after the collapse and fall of the Soviet Union in exchange for a guaranteed security by the U.S., yes. United Kingdom, and Russia. That mm-hmm. went well. Uh, he also stated Ukraine is against ethnic Russians in the eastern part of Ukraine. You know, the Donbass region, the mm-hmm. place the Kremlin-backed rebels have been fighting yeah. over that reason since 2014. Yeah. yeah. That might make them a little bitter. Yeah. As the list goes on. And I think it's time to look at the devastation that has occurred since the beginning. Is I'm just going to give a sample of what has occurred, uh, not in any order or a compilation, but a couple of things, like um, a small thing, like they dropped a bomb next to the world's largest nuclear power plant. Yes. They created a 40-mile convoy outside of Kiev, ready to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, caused more than a million people to head to the borders. Oh, Women and children forced underground or out of the country while their men, you know, someone's son, someone's husband, someone's father, they mm-hmm. have to stay back and fight. Yeah, I think anybody who was what from the ages of 18 to 60 was encouraged to stay and and pick up arms, right? I don't think they were encouraged. I think they were told they had to. Oh, okay. I do believe there's not too many that were didn't want to. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, two hospitals have been bombed. One was a maternity hospital. Um, a cluster bomb got dropped and took out a preschool. Yeah, I read that. Uh, the town of Bord- Bordinaki is gone. Uh, government building in Freedom Square got bombed and created a huge fireball that took out other buildings around it. An opera house and concert hall in uh, Kharkiv killed 10 people. Mm-hmm. Residential areas, particularly homes with people still occupying them, have become targets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Airstrike in Kiev, knocking out the TV tower. Southern city of Kyrgyzstan is surrounded. And mm-hmm. I can go on. The situation changes hour by hour, day by day. So the current more information we have will be ancient news by the time this comes out and exactly, with the media yeah. being manipulated you don't really know what is 100 percent true and what might have some ideas <clears throat> and also keep in mind there's a whole other side to the story the russian side and it's not necessarily the putin side mm. as much as these sanctions are to hurt putin 
Mm. Um, and the ol- ol- oligarchs. Yeah. Infecting the people. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of Russian protesters, and they're getting jailed. Yes. Uh, the money in the ATMs are drying up. Uh, yeah. You know, MasterCard and Visa, they don't work over there anymore. Turning mm-hmm. off Facebook and Twitter so they don't get any news. Yeah. And the list goes on. So I just want to sum up uh, mm-hmm. my part with a quote that I read, and I believe she's right. It's mm-hmm. from American Ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield, which she said the UN Security Council meeting. She said, there is much talk of Putin wanting something more, to build an empire and restore control in Russia or a new Soviet Union, as they did during the Cold War. This would mean control over Ukraine, Finland, Belarus, Georgia, Moldova, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, <laughs> Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, Lithuania, Latvia, Latvia and Estonia, along with parts of Turkey and Poland. Basically, Putin wants to travel back in time, a time before the United Nations, a time when empires ruled the world. Mm. But the world has moved on. It's no longer 1919. It's now 2022. Yeah. So yeah. that is an incredibly brief history of Russia and Ukraine's involvement. Well, thank you for that. That that was perfect, and and you know, like we're aiming for um, on this podcast, it was bite sized enough for at least me to get my my head around it. So, I I appreciate that. Um, oh, I have and, to say, it, yeah. it has opened learning this, which again, there was a lot more that I read. This is how I tried to get it down to. But now I'm curious about the Russian side, the Soviet Union side, and I'm more, I'm really curious about Vladimir Putin. I, I realized that. Like, where did he come from? Why is he the way he is? I know he was KGB, but what else? I don't really know much about him other than the fact that he used to ride the, his horse. You know. <laughs> well, I, I read a little bit about him. And, you know, I don't think... He, I mean, he's not the only leader in the world who's like this. Like, I don't think we should be that shocked um, about his behavior. I mean, uh, again, I watched... Um, uh, a documentary on Netflix about um, various, uh, well, sorry, what's it called? Um, dictators, let's say. And they all have these common elements being extremely narcissistic. Um, essentially, that's it. You know, they're, they're extremely narcissistic. And just like you said, Putin was um, what I read, at least, because of course, none of this is original thought. <laughs> Everything I say today <laughs> is something that I read. Um, I didn't know it. So go on. <laughs> so he's his his issue. Well, I'm sure he has many. Is that he wasn't able to restore, like after the breakup of the Soviet Union, <clears throat> he wasn't able to restore, <clears throat> sorry, Russia's economic power and the you know right. the power. Sorry, go on. I'll interrupt you in a second. <laughs> so he wasn't able to, I mean, he's been in office for, you know, pretty much 20 years and he hasn't been able to restore Russia to its former glory as an economic power. Um, so that's sort of what he's trying to do. And um, what, okay, so what I, I talked about this with somebody today and what they said was that when the Soviet Union broke up, um, NATO was warned against adding a lot of those, the countries that were formerly part of the Soviet Union, to NATO because they knew that Putin would take it as a threat that, you know, Western Europe is encroaching on me. Um, So that's essentially, I think, what's happening. Like he just, he's only now, you know, one country away 
from from NATO. So when there was a threat that Ukraine would be become a member of NATO, he was like, no, I, I'm not you know, losing any more power, though the West has completely encroached on me. Um, so that's why he's hitting back, supposedly. I'm not sure if you read anything about that. Um, I um, did. And um, what's really funny is, not funny, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, NATO was actually created at the beginning of the Cold War. Right. To protect the West from Soviet encroachment. Right. So, <laughs> um, yes, he... He was, from what I understand, the parts that I read, um, I'm losing my thought. Oh, yeah. He uh, he was ashamed of the Soviet Union for crumbling, and he's yeah. always wanted to bring it back there. So by allowing these other nations to join NATO, he'll never get them back. Uh, you know, and let's face it, Ukraine is the second largest country over. You, you keep Ukraine. Yeah. And you're a superpower. And... You know, the reason, one of the reasons why he went into the Donbass region back in 2014 was because if there is conflict going on in the country, that makes them ineligible yes. to join NATO. That's and right. That so that is why, even though, you know, even though uh, Russia has said they are not backing these rebels. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're trying to keep conflict going on in Ukraine as much as possible so that they're not eligible to to join NATO. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and something else that I, I read was that, again, and, uh, you know, I don't really have, as you said, I don't, haven't really written what I've got, what I read sort of in a linear way. So I'm just sort of all over the place. I hope that's okay. Um, but he, but Putin has been trying to rekindle relations with, between Russia and China, um, which is also very reminiscent of, uh, you know, the 1980s. And um, yeah, like he, they signed like just a month or so ago, I could be wrong about that, like a friendship agreement, um, obviously, because he needs, he knows that he, he needs allies and what, you know, China has this extremely strong economy. Um, and he, you know, Putin is trying to side with China or side. He's trying to form an alliance with China so that together those two countries will be more powerful than the United States. And, and I read some stuff that was a little bit beyond me about how, you know, how he has really decreased his deposit uh deposits of uh, the u.s dollar he's trying to trade uh with china in you know local currency because he's just trying to um sort of degrade the economy of the united states and right. upgrade you know his own mind you, he has managed to destroy <laughs> I, i'm slurring my words by it sounds like, but the ruble is worth less than a cent right now yeah and oh. do you know what else he did? did you you know that donbass region right yeah. Back in 2019, did you read this? He, Putin began giving out what they call fast track passports. Like you basically say you want and they give it to you. Now, Donbass is part of Ukraine. Yeah. He gave out 750,000 um, fast track passports, meaning all those Ukrainian citizens are now Russian citizens. God. That kind of gave them a sense of protection. But now, of course, yeah, that entire region, 750,000 of them anyway, they're siding with Russian, so they're yeah. gonna join the uh, the cause. So yeah. To speak. yeah, exactly. I did read that. Might be wrong. These numbers seem small, though. Did you read anything about the military personnel that Russia has? One hundred and seventy thousand troops. That seems 
little to me though. But it seems like it might be a falsification. Yeah, and then I've, I I read that Belarus has you know it's, it's essentially what oh I looked it up it's called a client state and I didn't really know what a client state was so a client state which you probably know is um, essentially a state that has given sovereignty to a more powerful state so Belarus is essentially sort of a puppet state <laughs> right now so they're using Belarus forces and of course the the forces that you were just saying you know the ones that were already installed in Ukraine they're also fighting. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what to say. And I read a little bit about oil prices too. And of course, all of this was, you know, really beyond me. I tried to make it as understandable as possible. So, um, what I read is that he, he waited obviously until oil and gas prices skyrocketed because his, you know, his coffers would be full and he knew that he could withstand the cost of war and the, any cost that the sanctions might bring. And let's not forget that sanctions hurt the people, <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, so I'm not, so, well, I'll, I'll get to this because I read a little bit more about that. But um, he, he, of course, he knew exactly what sanctions were going to be brought against oh, the yeah. country. because oh, something, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And he knew that he could withstand um, the sanctions and also sanctions from, from what I read, at least, you know, they they take some time to really have an impact, a serious impact uh, on, a, on a country. Mm-hmm. Um, so he obviously knew the timing was very, um, what's it called? He knew exactly what he was doing. Like he, there was another time in history, I can't remember what it was, when, um, you know, people also thought that he would attack. I'm not sure if it was Ukraine, but, and they said no, because, the, you know, oil prices are, are dirt cheap right now. He has no profits to fund a war. So it's all, it all goes together. And in case anybody's interested, I, I Googled the top three oil producing countries and interchangeably, well, no, I found USA was always at the top of the list. And then interchangeably, it was Russia and Saudi Arabia mm-hmm. um, after that. And what he also knew is that there are certain um, refineries in Europe that can only be that can only be um, provided with oil uh, from Russia, um, right? So, um, you know, he knew that he that it would be very, very difficult for any of the sanctions to include um, sanctioning the exports uh, of oil because that would literally mean freezing homes in Europe. And then I'm not sure what happened in the end with the SWIFT banking system. You might know, but... Um, I understood the last I heard is that they didn't end up. Do you know what the SWIFT banking system is? Have you read about that at all? I did not read about it. Okay. I, kind of, I heard that he'd be cut off from it, but that's all I knew. Exactly. Okay. So just a second. So, so the Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Tele- Telecommunications, that's what SWIFT is. <laughs> okay. um, I mean, we all know that we all have our, our yeah. SWIFT codes. So one of the reasons that he knew that he might be cut off now, I'm not sure, like this was a few days ago, but he knew that they would never cut swift off for russia because the only way that these european refineries can pay for the uh, the petroleum that they're importing through the pipelines from russia is through the swift system <laughs> so you know and and also apparently united the united states and saudi arabia and all the other countries producing oil don't have enough surplus to like if if one of the sanctions was that he can no longer export uh, oil they don't have enough surplus to to cover the rest of the world's needs so it's all very 
<laughs> complicated for sure. Um, something else that I read is that like sanctioning Russia is almost like, firstly, he expected it. So I don't think it was any sort of skin off his nose, but weird, yeah. yeah, but it's also, it's really kind of like lip service. I think that some of these countries are being accused of just doing the minimum, doing mm-hmm. sort of like, uh, like sort of more theater, like playing the part that, yeah, we're imposing strict sanctions. And anyway, I'm not sure that might be my own stuff. But what they were saying is that if you want to make him sweat, impose sanctions on him, his bank accounts, his family, his inner circle. Um, Am am I wrong? Why do I think that he did? They did. Okay. I think that they did. I'm just not sure if everybody's satisfied with the number of sanctions that have been sanctioned, you know, that have, yeah. Excuse me. (laughs) <laughs> but I believe that even, I, I mean, I could be wrong. Um, yeah. I had heard that there was sanction, you know, they put a freeze on his accounts and everything, but they have no idea how much money he has or where it all is. Well, as so, if he's going to have all his money in personal accounts. I <laughs> think he uses ATM card or what? <laughs> oh man, my checking account. How did they find that? I know. Uh, <laughs> you know, there was one newscaster, I believe on BBC world. Yeah. And they were saying, you know, Putin has sat there for the past, you know, two years, like everybody else. Exactly. In COVID, thinking, yep. planning, nothing else really happening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's something he's wanted this whole time. He's, you know, and he finally found a, a way to do it. Exactly. But, and I mean, some people are saying, you know, Putin's actually being very nice right now. And he's allowing Ukraine to give up. You know, um, because he has the power to go in and just flatten the place. And that is true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I, meaning, I, meaning I don't agree with any of it. Don't get me wrong. And I think he's a thousand percent in the wrong to be trying to take over a country that's been seeking independence. And by the looks of it, it's just uncalled. You know, it's, mm. it's, un, um, you know, I can't come to up with the word, but Ukraine didn't do anything. They've no, just, been, of course you know, not. they're being bullied. They're just, they, um, they are in an inopportune geographical location. Yep. That's pretty much it. I think, I think they are the last, as I said, that, you know, Russia is now just one country away from bordering NATO. Right. Right. So I, I think that that's what it is. <laughs> I think it's, and I think obviously it's all, you know, um, strategy and uh, him feeling that he was, you know, encroached upon, and then the egotism, if that's a word, uh, associated with not having very much to show for his twenty years in power, like right. you know, the crumbling of the Soviet Union, and he didn't manage to restore any sort of glory to the to Russia, improve its, you know, economic um, sort of super status uh, in the world. So he's like, okay, well, I need to. <laughs> I need to shake some shit up. (laughs) I'm not going to argue with you. I mean, when you have someone in his kind of power that, you know, runs, I mean, he does a lot of things, (laughs) but um, he's getting older. Yeah. You know, and you wonder, you know, you never know the health of whatever you, you're like, do they just want to go out with a bang? They just Mm. want to make sure that they are remembered. He will not be forgotten. I don't think, but (laughs) Anyway, just for his years in power, I don't think people will forget him. Uh, 
No. But it, it does feel like that, like uh, the last hurrah to make sure that they're in the history books. Yeah. Exactly. I read a few things about that for sure. And I, I read a little bit about him and, you know, people saying, is he insane? And everything I read said, no, he's not insane. He's behaving exactly like a narcissist. <laughs> it's, well, he's, he's behaving he's not as the he first always one. have. I don't think it's anything new. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, he's just pushed the button a little bit further. I don't think he's doing anything different than he always has. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just, I don't know. Um, well, have you read anything about like, how this is going to affect us or how it's going to affect the world or I yeah I did read a little bit about it um let me go over some I, I found some information on BBC just to reference the source so the BBC says that there because certainly I could not come up with any scenarios my <laughs> my simple mind um so I'll I'll just read sort of what I got from that um so the first scenario was a short war. Um, so Russia, for I'm not really sure why they haven't really used their air presence, their their military air presence. Um, you know that they Ukraine was hoping for a no-fly zone to be declared by the United States or by NATO, and that didn't happen because right. Putin Putin said um, you know that will be considered an act of aggression. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that, that's worrying and it ties in with what you said about like you know of course ukrainians are putting up this incredibly amazing fight but yeah i do like why is putin it feels like he could be doing a lot more damage Mm. um with the resources that he has so what maybe maybe i'll take this a different way because i think that what i was going to say is that he he might be hoping for a diplomatic um solution to this. But anyway, let me go through the three, the five scenarios that the BBC says. So what they're saying is that um, they will, there will be a short war, uh, Russia will step up its efforts, Ukraine will continue to put up this valiant um, effort, um, but essentially Russia will end up installing itself in, in Ukraine, installing a puppet government and um and just essentially making ukraine a a client state like belarus essentially so that's one um that's one scenario the problem with that of course is that that will just cause constant instability like there will always be insurgents there will always be people seeking um to oust this government so that won't be a very stable um let's say conquering of, of ukraine if that happens um, the next scenario is a long war. So what they're saying is, oh God, I just I wanted to end. And and you know what? Something somebody mentioned to me, and I thought it was really interesting. This is just a little um, parenthesis that this isn't a war. Be, you know, be, there are not two sides fighting. Right. There is one side being invaded it's, and it's and defending defending itself. It's mm-hmm. an invasion, exactly. Like it's so important to be careful how we word these things. You know. Right, right. No, it, and I think most of the um, the channels that I've watched have either said, uh, you know, Russia's invasion or Putin's war. Right. Okay. Good. Yeah, it's such an important uh, distinction for sure. Um, 
So scenario two would be a long war where the U- or sorry Ukraine um, mm-hmm. continues to put up this incredibly valiant uh, fight. Um, there are being sent uh, ammunition and weapons by by the United States and other Western countries. I, and what I read is that you know lo- war is a tiring, expensive thing. So there's a chance that this will just linger on, and the soldiers soldiers will become you know exhausted. Resources will be depleted. Um, they will be able, to, or they they might not be able to take large cities like Kiev. Um, and it just the fight just sort of drags on. So uh, there's a chance that you know, this just drags on and interest becomes lost and Russia eventually pulls out. And what they mentioned in this article that I read was that um, Russia pulled out of Afghanistan after 10 years of fighting that didn't yield anything. So, you know, they're saying that maybe something similar will happen um, in this case. Um, Scenario three is that there's a full-fledged European war. Uh, So, what they're saying is that they, um, you know, he might continue to try to not only take Ukraine, but to take other countries that were formerly part of the the Soviet Union. Um, so they're, you know, therefore extending more west, westward. Um, there's a chance that he will retaliate because he's angry that the West is providing Ukraine with weapons. Um, this would, of course, be. <laughs> you know, disastrous. Um, because if, you know, if, if, if Putin ends up declaring war on any NATO member, NATO, according to their charter, or whatever it is, has the right to retaliate. Like if any member is attacked, they have the right to retaliate. It's, so this is just, an, right, pardon? Excuse me. It's not just the right to attack, but they are, NATO is to back them up. Well, yeah, attacked. Exactly. Exactly. So that's part of the thing. If if, uh, if Italy gets attacked, yeah, you know, NATO has to step in and help fight the war. Yeah, exactly. So this is I think this is probably the scenario that everybody is fearing the most. Um, so yes, his, 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 his continued Western, uh, you know, advancement and, um, and what what I read also is that he he seems fearless right now. Like he's not, he doesn't seem worried about retaliation. I don't know if this is you know overconfidence, but you know what I read is that just the fact that he's talking about nuclear capabilities, people are like he he's not afraid to say or or to threaten anything. So that I think you know, I feel like it's because it's a well thought out plan that's been going on for a long time and he knows what buttons to push yes you know bring out bring out the nuclear warhead so we show them that we have it yeah uh, remind them yeah and uh i think he's just very confident um i think he also does not one person wants to have a world war three or a european war anything. so he's pretty confident even if people sent even if countries are sending things into ukraine Mm -hmm. i I feel like to him, they aren't going to be involved, involved, you know? Well, yes, that's, and that's sort of what's happening, you know, right. <laughs> that's exactly like- what's happening They're They're supporting sort of in any way that they can without right. fully and- um, getting involved. And that's why they didn't eventually ultimately, you know, declare the no fly zone because they knew that that would be considered by Putin as a, an act of aggression. 
and to be quite honest, Ukraine is not part of NATO. Yeah. And, and although the providing support as best they can, you can't have a threat against all the NATO nations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and Putin. No, he's he's no dummy. He no, no, no. but <laughs> for sure. Um, I mean, but in the meantime, we're all going to suffer. I mean, the price of oil is astronomical. Mm, the price already. of pumps is insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, the price of food is going up anyway. But yeah. um, I don't know if you read this or I, I heard this, but I believe. Um, oh, we know Ukraine, but uh, Russia is a big uh, resource for wheat. So, mm-hmm. there's, you know, we're going to have a big, uh, a big problem getting wheat products, which will just mean those prices are going to go up. Yep. Exactly. Uh, listen, I'm gluten free. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Me too. <But laughs> I feel for the people who aren't. <laughs> I know. And They're going <laughs> to you got to learn what gluten-free prices are. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I mean, that's only, like, that's just a little something. There's going to be so much that's going to, I mean, we're barely over the COVID thing, and now this. I know. And, and something else that I read that I thought was an interesting impact that all this would have is that, you know, we, um, anyway, that's a whole other story, but we haven't seen this kind of war no. in Europe um, yeah. in ages. So uh, over the last decades countries have stopped you know they definitely you know they certainly have budgets for um you know military um but they haven't invested as much in those budgets uh as they used to uh, because there was no real threat of war so what they're saying is that now that we have seen that oh my gosh you know maybe we are more prone to war than we thought um people are going to countries are going to start investing even more in military um you know, initiatives and, and investing less in things like education and health and all those things. So that's another thing that could have a, a serious impact on the daily lives of, um, of everybody. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. this is a situation none of us have been through. I mean, I do, I understand there are wars all over the world, but yeah, that's what I wanted different. to say. This is different. It's yeah. I, to be honest with you, I'm one of the things that really made me sad looking all this up is that I just, it it drives me crazy that we're not more concerned about all the other wars that are going on and have been going on for so long and, you know, millions of lives have been lost. Um, so yeah, I don't, certainly from a humanitarian, um, perspective, this war is no worse, you know, like the loss of lives and the loss right. of security is the same, you know, no matter how you slice it. Yeah, um, I can't agree with you more on that. Yeah. I, think, um, I think the difference is, I, I, to be honest, I'm no expert on the wars and I going around the world and I realize this now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think what he's doing is different than what all these other wars are doing. And they're right at, our, at the back door of Europe. <laughs> From I don't think it's different. I really don't think it's different. I think that you know uh, wars have been waged against you know Afghanistan and Iraq for for you know no uh, better well, reasons okay. whatsoever. Let me, that. Let me yeah. Instead of the U.S. going after somebody else or Europe going, somebody's coming after them. <laughs> the roles are reversed, and I think that's. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I it's this. I is, know. I I just don't know. And yeah, I know. But I, I will say it. this, I know more today than I did it yesterday. 
That is for sure. <laughs> Me too. That is absolutely for sure. Um, so just the last two of these scenarios, uh, the, the, the scenario four was a diplomatic solution. Apparently, um, Russian officials and uh, Ukrainian officials have had meetings, you know, since the the invasion started on the border with Belarus. So apparently this is an, an indication that, uh, you know, Putin is at least willing to, to discuss um, and something else that I read is that, you know, if this lingers and a lot of lo- Russian lives are lost, I mean, these are soldiers, young soldiers who right. are fighting a war that they probably don't even believe in. And when they start coming home in, in body bags, you know, his popularity, uh, that along with the sanctions that you mentioned, I mean, if he, there's a chance that he will want to, he'll try to go a diplomatic route when he sees that his, the popular vote um will be less than the sort of shame of withdrawing from Ukraine. You know what I mean? Like he, he might decide that he's better off withdrawing and being seen as a nice guy, you know, in Europeans (laughs) eyes and his own people's eyes, um, than Uh losing the complete popular vote of his country. So hopefully, yeah, there would be, um, hopefully there will be some sort of diplomatic solution to, to all of this. Um, I understand that, regardless, Ukraine is going to lose some of its sovereignty. But even Ukraine, as this article said, might be willing to, you know, give up part of its um, territory just to stop the overall loss of lives and get the country back to some sort of sense of normalcy. Um, And then the fifth scenario is that Putin gets ousted. Um, I have no idea if that's possible from what I understand. It would only be possible if his, I mean, he can only be sort of overthrown if his own inner circle is against him. Um, so if they see that, you know, everything he promised, um, doesn't come to fruition, then that's, you know, that's probably something that could happen, but who knows? I just, I hope to God, uh, it, resolves as quickly and and painlessly as possible <laughs> it's sound you know, I know words can't sort of do it justice well that's it that's it i have to say um i'm glad we tackled this yeah. I, I do know more than i did the yesterday and i can i feel a little more confident in my decision as to how i feel about it and who i kind of side with yes um, <laughs> Be for sure. i sided with Ukraine anyway, but I didn't know why, and now I do. So yeah, I that's... think we're good. I think um, I hope people have learned something. Yes, uh, you know it was. It's not a funny topic. It was more like a today we learned episode than today we laughed and learned. But yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. But that's I think that's fair enough. Yeah, um, I think that you know it's just the fact that we could get our brains around some things that a day ago we didn't know I think that's the beauty of this podcast that and that's why that's how we keep ourselves from going out of this you know the infamous rabbit hole we're like you know what we don't need to learn the whole history I probably can't learn the whole history anymore you know Um, I just need to know sort of 5 10 15 facts so I know what the hell is going on right I I couldn't agree more and I can tell you this is I tend to I went down a lot of rabbit holes this time, but a lot of times I tend to be a read the headlines and call it a day. So yes, I learned a lot that way. It's been fantastic. 
It is. And it's so funny. I was thinking about you um, because I was thinking that if it wasn't for this podcast, there's no way I would have been sitting home on a Saturday night at 10 (laughs) o'clock reading about Ukraine. No, no. (laughs) I would have watched the news said close enough and that was it. Exactly. Um, No, I'm glad we're doing this because I have a whole new respect for um, A, for journalists and podcasters and (laughs) educators this takes a lot of work, but I have to say, I enjoy it. Me too. Yeah, it so, forces me to focus. So let's wrap this up. <laughs> well, anybody listening, you can join us on Facebook at Today We Laughed and Learned. Yes, or Instagram at Today We Laughed and Learned. And if you'd like to drop us a little um, email, you can do it to todaywelaughed at gmail.com. And uh, I think next week, I'm going to take the reins again, huh? Yes, and I have no idea what you're going to talk about. <laughs> That's okay. That makes two of us. Okay. <laughs> oh boy, so, this does not bode well. <laughs> it'll be fine. All right. So, um, that's it, huh? That's it. Well, today we can say we, we'll even say today we laughed and learned <laughs> all, all about-, about the invasion of Ukraine. Right, but not the Ukraine. That's right. <laughs> I didn't say it. And certainly not Kiev. Right. Kiev. <laughs> yes, it is. All right, darlings. All we'll right. talk later. Everybody Indeed. have a great week. And you too. Bye for now. Bye, everyone. Take care. Bye. Bye.